Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. What God is going to talk to us about today isn't easy. Some of you, when you hear God's call to you today, you're going to go, I don't want to do that. Or I can't do that. Or more specifically, I can't really ever see myself doing that. But God is going to give you grace today. He's going to give you a sight, a new kind of sight that is going to stir something in you. He's going to help you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be shocked that in 25 minutes time, you're going to move from, I don't want to do that. I don't think I can do that. I'm not sure I'm even interested in that to, I am ready to take this most powerful step that is a miracle step for me. And I'm going to leave this room free. You're like, please tell us what is the step. Cause we're all a little bit, you know, like on the edge of our seat right now. The step is to forgive. You have been holding on so long to unforgiveness. And when I just said that word, you went, oh no, don't go there. You can talk about 15 things we can get free from today, but don't go there. And I understand that because you were wronged. And please understand today that we are not minimizing that. Coming to church and hearing the story of God and understanding the gospel power of Jesus isn't a minimization of the tragedy of a fallen world. Some of you have been hurt so bad. You were treated so unfairly. You were intentionally wounded. Some of you have just been absolutely, totally lied to, walked out on, let down, disappointed, promises broken, and the, and peop, and the people never came back. They, they, some of them didn't even act like they did anything wrong. Some of them you haven't heard from in years and years and years, and you're still left looking around at all the rubble in your life, and they're off somewhere on the seventh tee today. And when that word comes, forgive, you're like, hmm, I don't think I'm ready for that. But here's the beauty of the God who loves you today. He loves you so much that he wants to set you free. And free for you means getting the grip of unforgiveness off of your life. Just to speed up a little bit before we start today, the enemy is very crafty. He's getting less crafty, by the way. That's another message for another day. Paul said that we should put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. And it seemed like he used to be really schemy. Not so schemy anymore. It's just, here it is. But he has ways of working things in deception. And one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy as it relates to forgiveness is that he makes us think that we have control over past situations because of our unwillingness to forgive. 
And as long as I hold on to my stake and hold on to my side of this thing and don't forgive you, then that puts me in control. You were in control when you wronged me and you hurt me, but I'm in control now and I'm not going to even entertain the idea of forgiving you because that would let you off the hook. And that is one big fat lie. All unforgiveness does is keep us bound in the past. And your unforgiveness today most likely isn't hurting the person that hurt you. It's just keeping you trapped. And God's saying, let's go forward today and let's live free. Anybody feel like this word might be for you today? Just on the front end. Thank you. Any, I mean, for real, anyone, any location, just could you hold your hand up just for a moment? Wow. Dear Lord, God, I pray that you just give us a heart like yours today, a heart that doesn't just see people sitting in seats, but a heart that sees lives that have been broken and I thank you that you have a compassion for your people today. God, we ask you in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will shift things today, that you will touch things today and bring healing. And I pray that you would bring the kind of revelation sight to people today, that they don't feel like they're on some kind of hype ride, but that they can very peacefully and confidently Take a massive step with you today. I pray that you would illuminate the cross, the finished work of Jesus. Stir up your word with fresh fire today in our hearts and that you will do things that in human terms are absolutely impossible. And we give you praise in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. The most beautiful thing, I think, of all for each one of us today is that we are loved by God. Thank you. I got an amen. I know it's a, it's a basic 101 reality, but it is the most powerful thing about you. It is not your income, who you married, what family you're from, where you work, what you've accomplished, what your dreams are. That, that, that is not at the top of the list of what is important about you. It is not what you think about you. It's not what somebody else thinks about you. The most powerful thing about you is the fact that Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who created this entire cosmos, he personally, intimately, and forever unconditionally is in love with you. You are loved by God. Now, here's the thing about today. I love this house, but we are not going to clap half claps. Amen? We do not want to not bless God. We want to bless God. And I don't know if that clap blessed God or not. So we're not going to do it over again because that won't bless God either. But if we do another one, we're going to bless God. 
Let's just do it again. You are loved by God. <laughs> so come on, this is the love of God. Oh, dear Lord, let all preaching become like this. I was preaching at this event last year, and it, it, the people were into it. And they, if I said, God, they clapped. If I said, God loves you, they clapped. If I said, God gave his life for you, they clapped. Finally, I said, please, in God's name, stop clapping. I have an entire message to preach, and the clock is counting down. But don't you want to be in the spirit? And when someone says the most important thing about me is that I am loved by God, you go, that is the most important thing about me. And it is a mystery and a miracle. It's supernatural. It is not human or normal. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I don't have the time reciprocate it. But God has chosen to pursue me in love. And even if in your physical journey you haven't gotten a blessing, and specifically a father's blessing, that blessing we all want, a father who can get the words out, I love you. We don't want a father who says, you know I love you, I don't have to say it. We're like, no, 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 I need you to say it. I need to hear it. I need it spoken over me and into me and around me. I need it to animate me and to protect me and to motivate me. I need to hear the words. I love you. You're amazing. I am proud of you. I want to be a part of your story. I am delighted to be your dad. I want to invest everything I can in your success, and you can count on me. I will be here. Rain or shine, I will be with you. Those simple phrases are what every son and every daughter longs for. And if you don't get it, you got a lot of options. You get mad at the world and fight everybody the rest of your life. You can go and run to every other well on planet Earth and dig down into that well and see if you can get some of that blessing out of there. Or you can just shrug your shoulders and say, I didn't need it anyway. I don't care if I ever see the guy again. I'm good. But you're not good. No one is good without hearing those words. I love you. I am with you. I am proud of you. And here's the joy today. That God isn't some nebulous force out in the universe, but he's chosen to, to make himself known as a God in three persons. The Holy Spirit, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. And everything Jesus taught us about God can be summed up in the pinnacle, powerful reality that he is a father. When you pray, this is how you pray. Not, oh, great God in heaven. This is how you pray. Not, oh, cosmological originator. This is how you pray. Oh, mighty Lord of all. No, when you pray, this is how you pray. Father. Oh, hallowed be his name. 
Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. But on holy ground, you get to call the holy God your father. Why? So that every one of us, no matter what our story on planet Earth, no matter what happened in the flow that was coming our way in life, no matter whether we've been blessed or whether we have been wrong, every one of us through Jesus can come into a relationship with God and we can get the Father's blessing spoken over our lives. I love you. I love you. I love you. I value you. I am for you. Every one of us can live under the waterfall of a father's blessing and of the grace of God. I am forgiven and free. Shelly and I went uh, to Africa a few years ago and we took our crew, about 12 of us or so, on a raft trip down the Zambezi River. Maybe you don't know about it. If you're into rafting, you've probably heard of it. I 100% don't recommend going on the Zambezi River. There were a couple of young bucks in our team, and they're like, let's go do this. One of them ended up actually uh, becoming an all-star on the United States uh, rafting team, which we have one, competes internationally. And this kid, on this trip, got inspired and became a United States national team member in rafting I, on the other hand, have not been rafting since we went rafting on the Zambezi River. I don't have time to get into a lot of the details other than real, true story. In the quiet parts, the crocodiles just are sunning on the rocks on the side of the river in the gorge where there's no way out for miles. When we went down to get into the raft, we were in earshot of Victoria Falls, one of the most powerful, mighty waterfalls, maybe the largest waterfall on planet Earth. Not that, you know, photo op like Niagara Falls, but about eight or ten Niagara Falls spread out all down the way. And where we got in was kind of the pinnacle point of it. We came down these long stairs through the woods, jungle, whatever, to the edge of the water, to a little dock to get in our raft to start our several hour long journey to Hades. And so we <laughs> were, got there and the Lord gave us a sign. A hippopotamus had gone over the falls and died. It had gotten caught in an eddy and drifted over near the dock. And it had been there in several noonday suns. Oh, you already got a picture in your mind. All right, I don't have to explain the rest of that. And as we stood on the dock, the Lord spoke to me. Do not go on this river. I cannot make this more clear or obvious to you. Do not get in the raft. So I'm like, come on, everybody, let's get in the raft. I could preach three or four sermons about what happened in the next few hours. Um, wow, it was terrifying. L literally terrifying. We almost lost uh, a person. My wife almost, we almost lost my wife at one point. But that's another story for another day. When we got in the raft, we started floating, and Steve, our guide, started explaining how the trip's going to go. Uh, we'll, we'll be to a, a rapid here in about 30 minutes, and it's going to be a 
pretty easy one, but the next one after that, it's going to get a little dicey. And once we go into things, here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're all going to get back together. But what I noticed was that it was bright sunshine, but there was just this mist. And we were drifting now, hundreds of yards away from Victoria Falls. But the power of it was creating such a mist that now downstream, we were still in the atmospheric conditions of the power of the waterfall. And I'm thinking, this is the gospel. Jesus has finished the work, given his life for you and me. The final statement of our value to God and our freedom in Christ. And it is so powerful and profound, that waterfall of God's blessing and God's forgiveness, that even downstream now, from when I met it, in a lot of years from when it actually happened, the mist of the grace of God is still in the atmosphere and in the raft journeying through the story today. We can still feel the results of the waterfall. And we can know today, I'm under that blessing. That's the power. We're not talking about a trickle on the side of the road in Missouri when you're driving through the mountains and, oh, around the corner, there's a little ribbon of a waterfall coming through the woods. That's beautiful, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Victoria Falls thundering the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God over your life. And you don't have to do anything to get it. You just got to stand under it and open your arms wide and say, praise God. I am under the most powerful blessing in the world. And maybe I didn't get a drop from my dad. But oh my goodness, I am absolutely getting drenched by heaven. I am loved. Just, just say it. Say it with me. I am loved. I am, loved. I am, forgiven. I am forgiven. And I am free. I am free. Therefore, Therefore. <laughs> not that part. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I can forgive. I love the way Paul wrote this in Galatians. He was reaching all the way back to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And um, when God was giving uh, certain rules for living, but he brings this now into focus with Jesus. And this is the gospel. He says, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Now, let's just take a short survey here. Is there anyone here who has not done at any point everything written in the book of the law? Could I see a show of hands, please? Okay, maybe they asked that the other way because that was not strong. So how many people here have always in your life, in every instance in your life, observed every single part of the law? Please lift your hand. 
Okay, that's a lot of cursed people. It's a lot of people under a curse. See, but before Jesus, you weren't just unchurched. You were cursed. You weren't just a you know, bad person. You were under a curse. What, what was the curse? The wages of sin is death. That's where we were. But praise God, that's not where we are right now. It goes on to say, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing, there comes that waterfall, given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. He, Jesus, became a curse for us. It's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So that we then could receive the blessing that was promised to Abraham. That was a huge blessing, by the way, which has now come to us and has found its fruition in and through Christ so that we can have the promise today of the Spirit of God. We are not cursed because he was cursed. We are no longer under the curse because Jesus was made a curse for us. This is the gospel. The gospel isn't bad people becoming good people. It's cursed people getting set free by the power of God. It's dead people becoming alive people because of the finished work of the cross. And because of that, we now know I'm under a waterfall. I pray this over someone today. You came in here. You're living. Woe is me. You're not living. I'm under a waterfall of the blessing of almighty God. No one can change it. No one can stop it. No circumstance can impede it. I am standing, living, breathing under the waterfall of the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the freedom of God. I am blessed. And I can be a blessing. The first thing in this message which is called, by the way, reverse the curse, is that forgiveness, in other words, your willingness to forgive, is proof that you know that you are forgiven. This is the way that Paul wrote it to the Ephesians, just a few pages over in chapter 4. He says down to the last verse, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiven people forgive. And forgiven people standing under the waterfall of God's blessing realize that I'm not defined by what happened to me or what was done to me. I'm defined by what was done for me. And that changes everything for me. I 
have been forgiven. Therefore, I forgive. And I forgive just as Christ forgave me. I want, I don't know how you want your forgiveness. I want mine in a dump truck. Amen? You know, some kind of stronger men's type event. I want a monster dump, dump truck to, to back up into my story. Beep, beep, beep. I want that thing to go up. I want the flap to open. And I want grace and mercy and forgiveness and a second chance and another opportunity to just, I, I want a dump truck. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, we got way more than a dump truck. But boy, if you wrong me, I ain't renting no dump truck. No, but I am a Christian. So I'm going to go over to this pile with a teaspoon. I'm supposed to do this. So... There. We like to get grace with a shovel, but we're more apt to dispense it with a spoon. And what God is saying is the spoon is just telling us all that you don't know about the shovel. Because people who get the shovel forgive in the same way. The second thing I want us to see, and I alluded to this before, so I'll just come around it again, is that unforgiveness gives us a false sense of control. And I, I understand this. Because what you're saying is, I didn't have any control when you slandered me. I didn't have any control when you stole from me. I didn't have any control when you hurt me. I didn't have any control when you took advantage of me, but I do have control now and I have control whether or not I'm going to forgive you or not. And now I'm in charge of something. And now I'm the one who's calling the shots. And guess what? I ain't forgiven. And what that does is it gives us a false sense of being in control. But at the end of the day, that is a lie that comes from the enemy because forgiveness gives us freedom. Unforgiveness keeps us bound. And bitterness just paves the path back to the past. And some of you are holding on to it. Maybe you didn't call it bitterness. You just called it fairness or justice or they're getting what they deserve or, you know, this is just leveling the playing field a little bit. But really what it is, it's a root of bitterness that's taken hold of your life. And that root of bitterness, guess what? It is not anchored in God's future for you. It is rooted in the past where that hurt happened in your life. And as long as you hang on to it, you just keep paving that road back to the past where forgiveness paves the road into your future. Don't let the enemy fool you today in thinking because you're not forgiving that you're in charge. You say, well, you know, I, I feel good about it. Well, let me just ask you, is that unforgiveness that's in your heart, is it bringing you more peace? Is it really healing what happened? Is it bringing you closer to God and making you sense more that you're in connection with the Holy Spirit? Or is it 
doing something opposite in your life. And if it is, then you need to ask God today, I need a miracle. I need to take a step. I, I need to get rid of this deception that I'm in charge. The third thing that I want us to see in this today is that forgiveness does not let the offender off the hook. But forgiveness covers you with peace in knowing that the offender is on God's hook. This is what Paul wrote in Romans 12. And he's really trying to help these believers learn how to live in community with each other. And he knows they're going to have issues and wrongs and all kinds of challenges. And so notice Romans 12 verse 19. He's not saying, and we're not saying today, please hear today as clearly as we know how to say it. If you've been wronged, we're not saying sweep it under the rug. We're not saying just, you know, uh, don't respond with wisdom in any way. We're, we're not saying that there might not be some kind of recipro uh, reciprocity that needs to happen on earth, that you don't need wise counsel. We're not saying that you should put yourself back in harm's way. We're, we're not saying any of that. We're just saying that forgiveness has the power for you to understand that God is an avenger. And you can resign from that job today and find complete and total freedom come over your life. This is the way Paul wrote it in chapter 12, coming down to verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then he goes on to say, on the contrary, bless them. This is what Jesus taught us. Bless and don't curse. And here's the beauty of it all. You can, you can know today that when you say, I forgive you. Yes, you hurt me, but I choose to forgive you. You're not letting them off the hook. You're just realizing they're already on God's hook. And he said, vengeance will be mine, says the Lord. Nobody's getting away with anything. And somebody is bound today by unforgiveness and bitterness, and you're thinking, I got to stay in this position of unforgiveness because I need to keep them on the hook. And I'm just telling you, they're already on the hook. They're on God's hook. And there'll be a day where it's made right. We're living in a broken planet. I, I can't explain all of how this world works, but I know this. I know that every one of us have asked at some point, have we not? God, why did you let this happen? And for some of you in this gathering, that has eroded your sense of confidence in God, even to this day. I, I do believe in God and I love God and all that stuff, but I don't know if I fully trust him because if he's who he says he is, then why did he let this happen? And it wasn't about him letting it happen as much as it was about him understanding that every one of us is making choices that are contributing to a broken planet called Earth. And God is patiently biding his time to set it all right so that somebody else can get saved today and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that doesn't make it easier. That's not a simple answer for what happened to you. It just means that the cross is your true north. 
And that's where you know that God doesn't sweep anything under the rug. He didn't sweep your sin under the rug. He did not sweep one ounce of your sin under the rug. He crushed his son with your sin. As he does not sweep things under the rug, and he's not asking you to. He's just asking you to resign from being judge and jury because there already is a judge and jury, and he is perfect, and he is going to judge perfectly, and he is going to bring recompense for whatever happened to you. And you can resign today. Doesn't that feel good, to, just the sound of that? You can resign today. Just two more things super quickly. Forgiveness has its power, not when it's received, but the moment you truly offer it. This is another little wrinkle in the story of forgiveness. You're like, well, I tried and I reached out to them and I never even heard back from them. And that just fired me up all the more. And I was like, well, I thought I was thinking about forgiving you, and then I sent the thing to you, and then you never even responded to the thing when I sent to you about the thing. So I take that back, by the way, and not only am I not forgiving you, I am like doubly cursing you now because you are, A, the person who wronged me, and now you're not even willing to accept the fact that I'm trying to extend grace to you. What is wrong with you? You know... They're down on aisle four at Bass Pro Shop looking at fishing lures. And you're over here and bitterness has just got you by the throat. And the way you get free isn't by them saying, oh, thank you for forgiving me. That was so kind of you. I want to ask you to forgive me. No, the way you get free is when you say, I am free. I forgive. If I never hear back, I forgive. If I get a nasty reply that says, I never did anything wrong, I forgive that too. If they're dead and gone, I forgive. If I don't even know where they are on earth, I still forgive. And when you do, they don't get free. You get free. Like I got a waterfall, a big one. And under it, I am forgiven. Under it, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And under it, I've got the power to forgive. If God can send his son in a human body, if he can walk on water and raise the dead, if he can beat death and hell in the grave and come out of an empty tomb, he can give you the power to forgive anybody, including your 
And I'll tell you something else he can do. He can give you the power to bless and not curse. I remember when my dad was last years of life, in his 60s, he'd been debilitated by a brain virus. Physically, emotionally, mentally disabled. He was in the hospital for the umpteenth time. We were sitting in his hospital room together and we were talking about the Lord. My dad and I didn't share common ground around our faith. He wasn't against God. He just didn't really know Jesus. And I was just telling him about the love of God. And my dad looked at me. He was maybe 60 years old. And he said, son, he said, nobody ever loved me. And nobody ever wanted me. And I don't believe God loves me either. And I don't believe God wants me. I was frozen. My dad never talked about his past. He never talked about his parents. I knew that he didn't grow up with his mom and dad. I knew that he lived with this relative and that relative and this house. I knew that they moved around so much when he was a kid that there were three high schools in his town in Columbus, Georgia. And my dad went to all three of the high schools because he was just moving with other family members every single year. But I had never heard him talk about it. And I didn't know that all my life, at this point, I'm in my 30s. And my dad's been a really good dad to my sister and me. But I didn't know the whole time that my dad was struggling because he had never heard the words from his father and seen that blessing come down into his life. I love you and I am proud of you and I am for you and I am with you and I will be there for you and you can count on me. And he had grown up 60 year old man, never feeling wanted or loved in his life. There's somebody like that in this room today. I was looking around a few minutes ago and thinking about some grandfather that's in this gathering right now, and you've tried to love your grandkids and love your kids, but you've never felt loved. Your dad just wasn't there or couldn't say it, or you never measured up, or he never could open his heart to you, or whatever the deck of cards was dealt your way, and you are in this gathering, and you're a lovely granddad, but you are a dying son. And it's not too late to get under Niagara, to get under Vic Falls, to get under the cross today and to say, I'll tell you one thing. I might only have 20 years left in life, 15 maybe left on earth, but I'm going to live every 15 years I got left as a loved son of almighty God, a loved daughter of the King of Kings. There is a waterfall over my life. There is a flood tide over my life. I believe it. I receive it. I am going to stand in it. And I said that moment. I said in that moment, I said, Dad, I love you. Of course, that's what you're going to say. But how does one statement undo 60 years? And I remember so clearly walking down the hall when I left my dad's room that day. And I said, dear God, please let my dad live long enough for me to live into what I just heard today. Because I got enough coming down on me for me and my dad. I got enough coming down on me for both of us. And I'm going to do everything in God's power 
to send as much of a father's blessing back up the family tree. Because this is the gospel. We have the power to reverse the curse. I pray that's happening all over this place right now. I'll close to, to one quick story. Oh, please, thank you. Uh, I'm not looking over there. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, uh, Shelly and I love London. Uh, our dog's named after the city of London. Uh, big deal, who cares? Um, we do. Um, and we love London. We were just there a few weeks ago, actually, uh, on her birthday or for her birthday. And somehow we, we end up in London a lot around uh, her birthday. And a few years ago, I was speaking there at an event, and it was her birthday, and I was like, okay, what can I do that's different? So I rented this boat, and it was like one of those little boats you see on Lake Como in Italy, if that, that rings a bell, um, uh, in the canals of Amsterdam, one of those kind of cool little sleek wooden boats, had a little captain guy and you know, a few little seats in the back, and we went way up the Thames River, like way past Chelsea and on up the river a ways to get onto this boat. And the boat was going to take us all the way to Greenwich, all the way like to the O2 Arena, if you know that side of London, long way, hour plus boat ride. And we're going under the Tower Bridge and the Millennium Bridge and by the London Eye and Parliament and all that stuff going out um, the river. And it was just so nice going out. And... Um, we got a long way out, and the captain was like, ah, how far do you want to go? And I said, we want to go at least to there. You know, I was speaking in this venue, and I said, I want to go at least past that venue. And he said, I think we should turn around uh, right now and start heading back. And I said, why? He said, well, the tide's changing. And I was like, the tide's changing? You know, we're a boat. You know, you're a captain. We got life vests in here. I think we'll be fine. You know, I think we're good. He goes, no, uh, I think you don't really understand fully. And I was like, Okay. And he said, the tide's about to come out and we need to hustle on back. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, joy kill. We turn the boat around and we start going back. And all of a sudden, I'm not kidding. I've never seen anything like it in my life. All of a sudden, like six feet of water is just coming down the river. When the Thames River goes out and in, it is a thing if you are in the middle of it in a very small little wooden boat with a captain named Eddie. And we are now like, and it's just like, it takes twice as long to get back as it does to get down. And I was like, I am shocked at how fast the tide turned. But not in the spirit. Tide can turn in here right now. And you could have come in going one way. With some curse, some wound, some unforgiveness, some breach, some gap some hole, some wound. And right here, right now, under the waterfall of the finished work of Jesus, the tide just turned. And you just went, whoa, there is a wave behind me. I am in a whole new current. And I have the power in Jesus' name to reverse every curse that has been spoken or brought to my life right now in Jesus name I have got the power to reveal
reverse the curse. And you know how? Say it with me. Forgive.